Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Advent means Christ comes to you. The word Advent simply means coming. And in Advent, we celebrate the fact that God comes to you. You don't have to go to him. He comes to you. He came 2,000 years ago when he was born as a baby in Bethlehem. He is coming again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And he continues to come to us today through his word and sacraments. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered together, meaning around my word, There I am with them. So Jesus is surely with us this morning. And as we listen to the scripture lessons throughout this season, we hear of these three Advents. In fact, each of the first three weeks of Advent focus on one of these three comings. Advent means Christ comes to you. Now, in every other religion the coming of their deity would not be a good thing. It would not be good news. In in fact, in every other religion, and, and even honestly in many contemporary branches of Christianity, God does not come to you. You have to go to God. You ascend to God through your own prayer or meditation or your power or your emotions, through your own sacrifices or work. You lift yourself up to God. You make yourself cheerful as a sacrifice to God. And in fact, for every other religion, if their deity did come, it would be a terrifying thing. No other religion proclaims the the coming or the advent of their deity because it would not be good news. They would cower in fear, and the ironic thing, they would cower in fear over a God who isn't even real. And there's a reason that every other religion's deity is like this. Because the natural law written on on each one of our hearts convicts us, and it convinces us that if there is a God, he must be powerful and he must be bad. Or at the very least, we naturally want to be the hero. And so uh, maybe God is just a softy who, who will just pat me on the back and say, good job, in which case he wouldn't need to come and judge me at all. But to be sure, if our God returned with fairness and dealt with us as he ought, it would be a terrifying thing for us too. There are many places in Scripture which speak of the coming of the day of the Lord, the Lord's return as the day of judgment, the day of wrath, the day of sorrow, the day of weeping, of gnashing of teeth, of terror. We heard many of these lessons over the past few weeks. Christ is the king who has the authority to and will judge the living and the dead. The advent of a righteous and holy God is bad news for sinners because a righteous and holy God has to judge and punish sin. So when Matthew quotes the prophet Zechariah and says, look, Your king comes to you 
humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. It sounds contradictory. It sounds unbelievable. A king who is righteous and will cut off those who don't believe in him, who don't recognize his coming, but yet this king brings salvation. And he comes humbly and gently, not on a white steed or, or war horse, but on a donkey. In fact, on a colt, the foal of a donkey, humbly to proclaim peace to the nations. In C.S. Lewis' classic work, the, the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, both in the book and the movie, there's an exchange between Susan and Mr. Beaver about Aslan the Lion, uh, who is, of course, in, in Lewis' uh, work, a stand-in for Jesus, the, who the Bible calls the Lion of Judah. Mr. Beaver says, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he, is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe. But he is good. He's the king, I tell you. So it is with Christ, our king. Of course he's not safe. He could and should judge each one of us according to our sins. But he is good. It's on Palm Sunday when Jesus rides into Jerusalem that we really get a glimpse as to what this good king has come to do. He hasn't come to destroy the people, even though that's what they deserved. Instead, he has come to take their place before the judgment seat of God. He has come to be, as John the Baptist proclaimed, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. God is holy and righteous and has to judge sin, and he does. But since Jesus has taken on that sin, God judges Jesus instead of us. The crowds who were in Jerusalem to, to celebrate the Passover met Jesus at the entrance of the city with palm branches, and, and, and they were shouting, quoting Psalm 118, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And they laid their cloaks on the road. They, they cut branches from the trees and laid them before him, all of which was, was a sign uh, reserved for kings and conquerors. Ironically, most of the people missed the significance of that day. When they saw Jesus, they recognized him as a king, though in the sense of one who would overthrow the Roman authorities and, and give them peace on earth, save them from earthly trouble. What they didn't see was God's selection of Jesus as the final Passover lamb, the final lamb to be slaughtered. See, there's something profound going on on this day, on that, that first Palm Sunday. The fact that Jesus rides into Jerusalem on, on that day, as opposed to any other day, as opposed to Saturday or, or Monday, but on, on Palm Sunday. See, this was the week of the Passover festival, the festival celebrating when God had delivered Israel out of slavery in Egypt by the final of the ten plagues, the, the Passover of the angel of the Lord uh, who who would cause the death of the firstborn of, of each family of the unfaithful. 
the Passover feast, according to God's institution, always took place on the 14th day of the month at twilight. This was when the lamb was to be slaughtered and its flesh eaten and the blood painted on the doorpost to save them. And it was your individual, or, or that particular year, excuse me, that particular year, the eating would have taken place on a Thursday night. And the next day, Friday, would have been the day remembering when all of Israel was saved. But God had actually commanded that it was on the 10th day of the month that you were to pick out a lamb and take it into your house. And that lamb that you are picking out would, be, would become a part of your family until that Thursday night when it would be killed and eaten. And it was your individual family. This wasn't a big community meal or festival. It was a meal for you and your immediate household. Meaning that lamb would become a part of your family was a sacrifice for you. Not everybody else out there, but you. Now, if you were all alone or, or, or had a small family, there was a provision that you could get together with your immediate neighbor or neighbors. But generally, this was a meal for you and your family together. Because while God intended to save all of Israel, God was really saving you. The 10th of that month that year was on a Sunday. It was on this day as all the Jewish households are picking out their individual lambs to bring into their houses that Jesus rides into the house of David, the city of Jerusalem, as the Lamb of God. And just a few days later, as upwards of 250,000 lambs would have been sacrificed in the temple courts according to God's institution in Exodus 12, Jesus would be nailed to a cross. What God is showing through Matthew, who, by the way, uh, through, through his gospel intends to prove how Jesus is the fulfillment of the entire Hebrew scriptures, what Matthew is doing by recording Jesus' triumphal entry on the 10th day of the month, that Palm Sunday, is to show that Jesus is the Lamb who has come to be the atonement for your house. Yes, Christ has come for the whole world. But more importantly, he has come for you. Christ the Almighty doesn't just advent, he doesn't just come, but he deigns to come even into your house, into your home, into your life. No matter how high or, or, or low or rich or poor or happy or depressed or, or alone or together or befriended or forsaken you may be or feel, advent means Christ comes to you. Our opening hymn that we sang this morning was, Oh, How Shall I Receive Thee? We're going to sing a few more verses of that hymn in a moment, and then I'd like you to open up your hymnaries uh, to, to take a look at a few of these verses with me. It's hymn 94. Uh, this hymn was written by Paul Gerhardt. And if you've listened to my sermons over the past uh, two uh, services, uh, this might sound like I'm repeating myself, but I'm not. Paul Gerhardt was another Lutheran pastor who lived during another pandemic. There's been a lot of these. 
There's a reason why so many of our best hymns uh, have come from a period of hardship. Gerhardt, though, arguably suffered more than either Martin Rinkert uh, or Philip Nikolai. Uh, Gerhardt actually lost his job as a pastor because he refused to preach false doctrine. And it was during this period, uh, during this plague, that his wife died. And only one of his five sons, uh, one of his five children, actually outlived him. Uh, he lost more than we could, uh, most of us could know. And yet he's known as the most magnificent Lutheran hymn writer whose, whose hymns just drip with the theology of the cross, the, the comfort of the cross. And he wrote these verses during this hardship. Uh, please look at verses 6 and 7 with me. Rejoice then, ye sad-hearted, who sit in deepest gloom, who mourn or joys departed, and tremble at your doom. Despair not, he is near you, ye standing at the door, who best can help and cheer you, and bid you weep no more. No care nor effort either is needed day or night, how ye may draw him hither in your own strength and might. He comes, he comes with gladness, moved by his love alone, to calm your fear and sadness. To him they are well known. Whatever your holidays look like this year, whatever your holiday season looks like, if your holidays look exactly the same, if you're unable to gather together with family or friends, if you're unable to travel or go anywhere, know this. You don't have to worry about making yourself cheerful. You don't have to worry about going to Christ. He comes to you, moved purely by his love. He knows your fears and sadness, and that's exactly why he's come, to help and cheer you and comfort you with his love. Advent means Christ comes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, everyone. Pastor Hendricks here. A very quick thank you to those of you who have listened or watched our sermons either on our podcast or on YouTube. It's such a blessing to know that you are, are hearing God's word and by his grace growing in it as he promises. As you know, COVID has reduced our in-person attendance this year, which also means our offerings are also down. As a result, we're only about 75% to our budget this year. Normally at this time, we're about 90%, and then we do our catching up at the end of the calendar year. Well, it means we have a little bit more catching up to do this year. And as you know, the work of the church continues. In fact, we've offered more services this year and, and really done more things than we ever have before. So I would ask that, that you would prayerfully consider your giving at the end of this calendar year. Uh, in the weeks leading up to Christmas and, uh, and the end of the year. If you've already been giving uh, either online or, or uh, through, through uh, an online donation or checks, uh, thank you so much. Um, if you haven't, you can set up an online um, payment, a, a reoccurring offering on our website at faithlutheranoregon.com slash online giving, or you can go to our homepage and you'll find a link right there. Again, thank you so much. Uh, may God uh, continue to sanctify you in his word, the one thing needful. Uh, 
God bless you with the rest uh, of this church year and the rest of this calendar year.